I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Tuesday, July 6th. It's been 15 days since we had a podcast. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. And we expect Pete Sampson to join us here in a bit, but much has happened in those 15 days. Notre Dame has received verbal commitments from Jaden Bellamy, Devin Moore, a couple of defensive backs, Ashton Craig, an offensive lineman, and then the biggest news, five-star Brennan Vernon in the class of 2023, and right before that, Keon Keeley, another highly rated defensive end. So Notre Dame doing a great job in recruiting, at least on the defensive side of the football. On the offensive side, Tim, uh, we're expecting this is being recorded before Nicholas Singleton's announcement today or, or later this afternoon, and we don't expect him to end up in Notre Dame, and that's disappointing. <laughs> that's that's disappointing. I, re- I, I think there's a, Notre Dame will compensate, but that's really disappointing when it's Singleton and, of course, the other two backs that they had pegged as the trio uh, that, that they really liked and wanted to get one of those three. Yeah, and from personal reviews, Singleton, I think we both feel is a blow. And then logical review is when you add it on top of two guys they wanted, it's it, it's it's extra. So that hits a little bit. Um, yeah, defense is trending up, offense is stagnated. But uh, as you're going to, as you're pointing, mean, maybe pointed out now, it, it's name their four stars, right, Tim? You're you're going to point this out as we this is as good a well, time as any. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, look, the flip side of this is they have a they have eleven commitments from four stars. In the class of 2022, six are on defense, five are on offense. So in a lot of respects, defense is kind of catching up yeah. to offense. But, you know, you throw in Brennan Verdon and Keon Keeley, and, and everybody's excited about Marcus Freeman, what he's doing recruiting, and, and there's good reason for that. He's a great defensive coordinator. We haven't seen that yet, but I'm sure he's going to prove that again this fall. So, you know, the momentum is on the defensive side of the football. I'm not one to panic about recruiting, you know, six months before signing day, but you know, you, you zero in on certain targets, you expect to get them. You, you go over three with your running backs. And right now they're in, they're in a bit of a rut offensively in recruiting. And they're a stronger defensive program in the last four years and the last couple right. of recruiting cycles too. So that, I, and I think everybody, saw what has to happen offensively to catch up to the top three. Um, we have some questions on that later, but I get the, I get the hand wringing. It's uh, you know, it's more, we were talking about, it's more important to bring in the five-star Brennan Vernon defensive lineman of the world, than it is one of your top three bet running backs probably. Right. Because I, I know I did not think Kyron Williams was a 1200 yard back when he was coming out of school. No, I did not either. And did not he's either. probably going to be, be, probably going to be better than Nicholas Singleton in college. So it's, it's it's the Brandon Vernons of the world that that get you in position to need a five star offensive player to put you over the top because without those type of guys it doesn't matter. Notre Dame has had plenty of skill talent out there in the last millennium, 
and they did not have any accompaniment. So it's yeah. keep that pipeline going up. I mean, I think, you know, we tend to look at things a little bit more big picture and big picture is Notre Dame's ring in quality recruits. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. You know, and, and, and certainly you want them on the offensive side of the ball and they swung and missed on some offensive linemen. And I get it. I understand that. Sure. I'm not saying I don't understand it, but um, they're doing well as a whole and they've got a little ground to make up offensively. Tim, again, since we last, um, gathered for Irish Illustrated Insider. Uh, July 1st came and went and name, image, and likeness is hot right now. Uh, Notre Dame, and we've seen some Notre Dame players set up their accounts and create some logos and, um, you know, Dylan, congratulations to Dylan Gibbons. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Because um, while a lot of these guys, and understandably so, they are they're moving forward, uh, you know, to set themselves up, their brand, et cetera. And, and what, what Dylan Gibbons did sets up his brand, I guess, as well. But it's a little bit different than the other guys. Yeah, and it's nice to see um, Gibbons. And Gibbons, you know, I actually heard that this would be um, – tactics the wrong word. I actually heard that some people were going to be able to use name, image, and likeness – for good, for lack of a better word, it's not just for hey, you know, I, I'd like you to. Well, to, for to I, I'd like to sign anyway, stuff yeah. for twenty five dollars a pop. Yeah, but he's taking, um, he's basically taking a uh, physically challenged man to Tallahassee to watch the Notre Dame, Florida State game on because he made money off of his name, image, and likeness, his page, right. and he met him during, I believe, it was his recruiting visit to Notre Dame. Um, they reconnected. It's it really. You're not going to find a nicer. Uh, you're not going to find a nicer gesture, really, for your first platform as a college athlete um, than Dylan Gibbons used there. And you know, I've seen some others. I think uh, is it. I don't want to misspeak here. It might be Spencer Rattler that's saying every every everybody on the team is going to get a percentage of whatever I make. Wow, um, that's a great thing too. There's and yeah, look, this has been. I know there's a there's a lot of unintended consequences that are going to come up, and I, I know many of them and it was always nonsensical whether you think it means they're a college athlete anymore or not, that a great college player couldn't make money on his craft. Right. It was just really weird. And there was no way of police to get, it was happening anyway. Um, I say this a lot. I I hate to keep using the names like this, but I'll I'll (laughs) use a guy that didn't go to graduate from Notre Dame. Brady Quinn and Elijah Taylor really need to get the same amount of money out of their college experience at Notre Dame. No, I understand. I mean, you have to earn it. And yeah. you have to earn yes. it beyond high school. And I, and I get that. And, you know, I mean, we all understand that, you know, NIL is going to lead to abuse. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it just is going to, and we don't want to think about that. And, and to me, like the whole, oh, the NCAA, the NCAA, it's become a little, a bit of a cliche. You know, the NCAA is always at fault and, and I get it. I've criticized the NCAA yeah. before, certainly, uh, their decisions as it related to Notre Dame having to forfeit victories from a year ago is probably as upset as I've ever been about anything that the NCAA has ever done. By the same token, if the NCAA hasn't hadn't been looking over college football and college sports for the last how many decades, right? It would already have been completely the wild, wild west. What is the SEC going to monitor its uh, its conference? Are they the ones that are going to? Yeah. to police the behavior 
uh, when it leads to abuse? Of course not. And that's what the NSA has done. Um, but that's changed and uh, opportunities await college athletes. It does. And I think two things can be true. I think you need policing. You still need policing of it. And Kyle Hamilton deserves to make money off of how good he is sure. as a 20 year old instead of a sure. 23. I'm look, I'm, I'm happy for the players. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think in the long run, it's going to be good for college football. If sure. you care right. about, right. if you care about, again, the, the big picture, I don't think it's going to be good for the benefit of college football. But then the flip side of that is that the NCAA and schools have been making money off of, you know, off great football players. And I see that side too. I'm just concerned about this leading to abuse, which we, Oh, it, it, it certainly will. Nature, it will. Yeah. It certainly will. And that's why when there's the argument about paying players, I always, this is almost like you're paying the player that deserves it more than you're just paying players. Like really, do you, are you going to play your starting quarterback of three years, the same amount you're paying the guy that sits by the mums and watches the game in 2016 on the tarp, <laughs> you know, that that's the problem I always had. And that guy's not getting anything from his name, image and likeness that matters. And the starting quarterback is for Notre Dame fans. It's, it's kind of police that little part for the people, you know, that say student athletes should be paid. Obviously some student athletes should be paid and some, some don't deserve to be paid other than their scholarships. So, well, we're just talking this, about this, football. I mean, there's oh, a lot, yeah, there's we are a just lot talking of, about right. And sure. there's a lot of college athletes that, that don't deserve, that won't deserve right. to get paid. You know, they're fortunate that they have a, a scholarship yeah. uh, playing a sport that very few people are really paying attention to and, and can't support itself without the help of generally speaking college football Saturdays. Anyway, uh, there'll be plenty of time to talk about that. Devin Pew, uh, the early entry defensive end uh, rover, I guess, when spring ended, uh, is leaving Notre Dame or has left Notre Dame. Um, I was told by a source that it was a family-related issue. Um, I was told that that was completely on the, on the up and up. I know Eddie, Eddie Vanderdose's name comes up in situations like this. Um, but you know, it's it's really unfortunate. I thought he had a lot of potential. I did too. Uh, yeah. Worse worse than that. More important than that is whatever the family issue is, and I do not know specifically, or at least not well enough to speak about it. Um, you know, we hope that that situation works out for him. Yeah, I thought that was one of the better posts on the message board, where someone was like, "Shoot, I was hoping he just didn't like it." Because that's that's what you want for him, that he's just looking to be happier and be closer to home. But if yeah. family issue makes it unfortunate. I really like him as a developmental prospect. Um, I never thought the move to Rover was going to stick. I just thought they had a hundred. I don't either. I just think I, they I had a hundred defensive ends. Yeah, <laughs> They're trying to get him out there in some work. Um, they've almost, I hate to say it because I like him so much, but they've almost recruited over him since they signed him the way they have recruited defensive <laughs> go ends. into 2023. Yeah, yeah. Now, now he may end up being better than half of them, in which case he, they didn't recruit over him, of course, but it's, I, I liked his upside. I like Will Schweitzer. Um, like, I think I did a film review of those, not a film review, an impact story on those two, almost back to back, very close. And I do like him more than Will Schweitzer, even though Schweitzer has some versatility there. I just, I just yeah. thought he would really grow into something with, with, um, Mike Elson. So good luck to him. And as the message board said, they hope he goes to the UCLA version of a California school, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, again, since we last gathered, uh, Irish Illustrated had the opportunity to interview offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman. I've put out a few stories on that. The first one that I would like to talk about Tim is the comments made by Tommy Reese with regard to Kane Madden. 
um, said that, and, and coaches are allowed to, there's a story up today talking about what they do during the summer. And, right. and everybody said, Tommy Reese especially was real careful about what he says. So he doesn't say, you know, the wrong thing as to what they can do, but, but our, yeah. during the summer, but our conversation about K Madden that their first impression was because they can't attend strength and conditioning gatherings, um, that he's a little bit more mobile than maybe they, they anticipate. He may have dropped a little bit of weight already working with Matt Bayless, but I thought that was good news. And it certainly sounds like um, Madden's trending towards the offensive line. And I, and before you comment, Tim, you know, I asked him about, well, did you have to have a conversation with Spindler or the other offensive lineman? You know, because it looked like Spindler was lined up for a starting job. And he said, you know, we lost a, we lost an offensive lineman. We replaced an offensive lineman. Dylan Gibbons, of course, transferring to Florida State. So I, I hear and understand where he's coming from on that. Yeah, and there's the coach's point of view is, I mean, you need, Notre Dame is good enough now where Rocco Spillen is going to be a great player. He's going to be a better college player than Cade Madden, but it's I find it so unlikely that he's going to be a better player than 23-year-old Cade Madden at 18 yeah. years old. And Notre Dame needs to put the best product out there. It, it, maybe it's an uncomfortable conversation, but Rocco Spindler didn't sign saying, I'm going to start my freshman right. year. <laughs> he just happened to roll into that situation in the spring. Right, and Tommy yeah. Reese said, you know, we have an obligation to improve the roster, and there's questions in the second What if Rocco Spindler about, gets hurt? You pass well, yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, it's not just Rocco Spindler. It's the other yeah. guy. It's Andrew Christoffic, who's been in the program going on three years now. So, But you understand where they're coming from, and, and uh, you know, and you to your point, that was your main concern about Cade Ben was his mobility and mobility issues in the outside zone attack. Was right another now, issue for you. now, as we always say, we would like to see with our own eyes before right. we, we agree with it. But if, if Tommy Reese is saying that, I think there's some, some credence yeah. to it. And, and um, you know, that's, that's really, really good to hear. Now, Marcus Freeman, every, everything that came out of his mouth that I'm quoting him on is exciting. And it's just his <laughs> delivery. So, you know, he asked about, the first story I did on two guys was, you know, the completion of the wildest and craziest June that you've ever dealt with recruiting wise. And I asked Freeman about it. And the first thing he says is it was fun. <laughs> tiring, I'm sure it was fun. He got a bunch of good players fun, yeah. on this side of the ball. I mean, you know, Tommy Reese said they, re- <laughs> yeah. you know, they recruited for 27 straight days. Once that first group came in at the beginning of June and that's, yeah. Um, you know, that's a, that's a lot of work, but they put it in and I think you're, you know, you're seeing the rewards and I think we'll, I think we'll see some of the rewards on the offensive side of the football coming up here as well. He was, uh, he was so positive in his reviews of people behind the scenes and in what you've written Tim. that I have, he's like changing my mind on guys like Houston Griffith that I, I won't let anybody change yeah, my, my mind now, on until I see now, it. <laughs> yeah. And we're exactly, and we're still getting to know Marcus Freeman. So if he says something positive about every guy that you bring up, <laughs> then we'll know. we will, right? yeah. we will learn that. Uh, and, and that could possibly be the case because I have more stories coming in the next, <laughs> next few days in which he says some really positive things about guys but uh, that's why I missed that's why I requested and missed talking to Mike Elston because you always get the old even if it's off the record you get the old eh. yeah. <laughs> there's an immediate actually it's not that it, it's not uh, it's a all of a sudden his face goes different and it's like he has work to do he has he, ha, he has a lot of work to do like okay yeah. well he's got a lot of work to do I guess that's not a story anymore. yeah all right we'll be back with segment two coming up burning up the boards I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from C. Bogan, 1989. Which player do you think, Notre Dame player that is, benefits the most from name, image, and likeness? Current player. I mean, the, the immediate thought was like Kyle Hamilton, but like knowing Hamilton and his family, like he's just not really that into it, um, which I think is like kind of one of the unspoken angles of this whole story is just like, you have to really want to work to be good at NIL. It's not, it's not just being a good player. Um, so, I mean, I, I would probably go more with like a Kyron Williams. Um, yeah. Cause I, I think he's got more of the attitude and the personality that he wants to get out there. Um, and I, in some ways, I feel like he has more personality than Kyle Hamilton does, or at least shows it. So I think in terms of the current players, Kyron Williams would be my pick. He, he has more to say, right? I mean, yes. Kyle Hamilton yeah. lets, lets his, his actions speak, and certainly Kyron Williams lets his actions speak as well. Uh, and by the way, that is Pete Sampson has joined us for segment two. For those that are familiar uh, with our podcast, I'm sure you recognize that voice, Tim. It's actually Kyron Williams. On yeah. his name, image, and likeness, joining yeah. Irish Illustrated's podcast. But I agree with Kyron Williams. I think the that big personalities are important. This is, I mean, you look at marketing, right? Big personalities are a little more important than the stoic types. Um, Rocco Spindler kind of has a brand going here as a freshman. That's yeah. going to be that's going to be cool. Michael, uh, like, Michael Mayer certainly has the Michael Mayer. Too. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I brought this up in Monday musings. I think we talked about it a few times. And you strike while the iron's hot, and I tell you what. Jack Cohn turns his ankle in Tallahassee, and Tyler Buckner comes in. Tyler Buckner's yeah. going to have a how about, really well, good how about, shot at it at the time. That's those that the Notre Dame quarterback. That's good. You might only have a, you might only yeah, have a year, but it's big. he's probably going to be pretty understated himself. Now Blake yes, Fish, Blake Fisher, would be the true freshman that that would want to strike while the iron's hot right. right now. And I, I mean, the offensive line. I don't know if you saw this on social media. They like did an NIL thing over the yes. weekend with uh, mission barbecue up in Mishawaka. I don't know if they were paid or paid in meat, but <laughs> I mean, that's like, you know, kind of a group thing. And I also, I think that's probably what the overwhelming majority of these things were going to be like, maybe you get a little bit of money, but you're, you're more likely getting the product of the company that you're you know, sort I, of shouting out. It, it could be fun. I interviewed Alex bars and, and brought the whole NIL thing up and, Alex being the grounded person that he is, who's about to make, you know, like 820,000 and then we'll bump up to two point something. If he stays with the bears next year, it's like, yeah, that'd be cool. It'd be, it'd be cool to get a few free pies, you know, the, the pizza pies. <laughs> yeah. They would have gotten a few free pies in 2017. Yeah. Josh Adams and everything. Cool. You know, it's interesting though. We could talk about this for years, but uh, there's the workman like, 
um, for lack of a better description, viewpoint of this team? Does that make sense? I mean, it's like Brady Quinn and Jeff Samarjo would have been. Tom Zimikowski immediately. Like, the guys that come to mind. Darius Walker being so outgoing. Like, I just went back oh, to a yeah. different era. And these I, this team has a little bit of a workmanlike a, appeal to it. I don't know about the whole – like, Pete, you mentioned Kyle Hamilton's the best player, but – Maybe he's not all that interested in this. Jeremiah Usu koromoa was the best player last year, an incredibly interesting person, but was he going to be incredibly interesting name, image, and likeness guy? That's probably not. Yeah, it's it, it's it's kind of like the free spirit. Well, Zibikowski has the obviously the boxing angle. Um, Jalen Smith, I think, like yes. in more recent oh, yeah. times, would yeah. have been like we're yeah. raking in it. But as um, it pertains to what you're saying, Tim, about workman like, I mean, that's kind of as soon as you said it, I thought, well, yeah, Kurt Kurt Heinish. You know, he just wants to go about his business playing right. football, pretty much. I, but he'd I, like I, free pies too, right? So I'm <laughs> maybe sure he can do some pizza stuff and stuff. I'm sure he would. I'm just looking <laughs> at other like out. You're looking for outgoing personalities. They got to be really good. That's you know, like yeah. yeah that's the. Well, anyway, uh, I since you know the the new the current guys have been listed in, in my Thursday thoughts. I'm gonna I'll go back through the years of covering Notre Dame and. And, and, and pull out some gems. And, and I think would anybody be, well, certainly Lewis Nix during the Brian Kelly era yeah, would, that was would the one be incredible. I, in my list I don't ten. know that anybody would top Rogib Ismail. I, I, <laughs> no, because Tony Rice would have been, Tony Rice would continue to make the money as Notre Dame doesn't win national championships as the last winning quarterback, but he would not have approached Rocket Ismail in the 10 years they were near Notre no. Dame, if that makes sense. I mean, I think it's interesting. I think the Notre Dame athlete who would have capitalized the most in like my time around Notre Dame would have been Skylar Diggins, probably by a mile. Um, oh, I think yeah. that that's, that's like that's the whole. You got the whole package of like success, elegance, local, grace, great, yeah, <laughs> outspoken, like very comfortable in the spotlight, um, and, and into that kind of stuff. Like yeah. that's that's ultimately, I think, where the the big big NIL stuff would happen. Yep. Next question from Dad of the '90s: Over under two point five commits for the defensive staff before the offensive staff gets one. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm at a wow. I man, obviously you wish you hadn't included that one, huh? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some timing issues. I'm going to say, I'm going to say they'll have a commit before it gets to three more defensive commits. Not going to be Nicholas Singleton, unfortunately, but um, yeah, I'll say. Uh, before they get to three? Yeah. Yeah, under, right. right. Are, are we counting Jake Pope's announced silent commitment as one of these potential? No, uh, no okay. it's got to be public. Yeah, all right, that's the rub. Yeah, <laughs> then then, it, then I think it's probably they'll get two more, and but an offensive commit after that. Yeah, Tim, I mean, and it's just, as Pete, before you joined us, as Tim pointed out, they have 11 four-stars, and six are defense and five are offense. It's just been trending towards defense, and I keep, it could trend back the other way, but stop complaining about good defensive recruiting. Let's get a little sunshine. Yeah, I mean, it's here, good. Right? Hey, <laughs> you know, they got two, they got two tight ends in May and nobody was complaining about no. Marcus Freeman no. when they didn't get, a, 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 did they get a commitment during? I don't think they got a commitment. Yeah, I don't think so. Time. I don't know, but I, but I get, it. I think they'll get somebody offensively and it'll probably be somebody that Nord, Nordic fans would like. 
CMU Penns fan, how much work under Matt Bayless do you think the players get from the time the blue gold game ends until fall practice begins? Well, it's a, the, the, I include that question because the yeah. timing is really good because of the, the story that's on Irish Illustrated today. Uh, speaking with Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman about what they can and can't do this time of year, and things are pretty much put in the hands of Matt Bayless and his staff, the, the strength part and the conditioning part, and – you know, he's, he's theirs for a few months, pretty much. And, and the players can speak with the coaches, but nothing on the field with a football. So uh, Matt Bayless is their guy this time of year. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent it's, you know, yeah, that's where you're leaning on your leadership, but Bayless, Bayless is the head coach. He's the offensive coordinator. He's the defense coordinator in summer. So it's yeah, all Matt Bayless. This is where Brian Kelly was one of the people on the cutting edge back at, um, Maybe it wasn't Grand Valley. Maybe it was going to Cincy where he trusted Paul Longo so much um, that that was – remember he came to Notre Dame and said this is a leadership position. You never heard that about strength and conditioning coaches in Notre Dame before that. It was you got to lean on them, and you got to lean on a guy you trust, and obviously they trust Matt Bayless now too. So he is the – there's a real – there's a reason it's called Body by Bayless, and we give Matt Bayless credit right behind Brian Kelly for the last four years and, and ongoing into the future. I mean, as do Notre Dame's assistants. When you talk exactly. to assistants on yeah. their way out of town, it's like what's really been the big difference is Matt Bayless is listed number one every time. Uh, question from MAK341. What is your take on losing out on the top three running backs in this cycle? I mean, it's always the same take of losing out on the top three running backs or cornerbacks or wide receivers in a cycle, isn't it? It's the Singleton one, I think, is kind of where I feel like Notre Dame was trending for a while and that the unlikeliness of getting him is, well, what Notre is Dame, really Notre making Dame. this worse. Notre Dame was, I mean, I think you can say yeah. they were more than trending with, yeah. Yeah. with Singleton. Um, you know, I mean, Pete, go ahead. I'm sorry. I asked. Oh, no, I, I mean, it's bad. It's, it's not bad. a creative take. It's just a bad situation. Um, and in some ways, I think it was made worse by the fact that, I mean, when you talk to people around Notre Dame, if you ask, like, what was the biggest recruiting surprise of June? It was the run they were making with Nicholas Singleton. Um, if that had never happened, if Singleton had visited and they were just like, eh, uh, we're not really in this, then I think it would it would still be not good. But it makes it feel worse if you're a Notre Dame recruiting fan that you kind of you got real close to the sun on this one. And, and yeah. on top of Will Shipley last year, that uh, is a big part difficult. of it. And it should be a big part of it, too, because if they got Will Shipley last year, it wouldn't matter that they missed out on Nicholas Singleton this year because he might not even be considering Notre Dame if that happened. And right. that is one of those it is one of those positions where you look at a two two year cycles and the two year cycle. That was a painful one last year. And it's one of the problems that Notre Dame has in recruiting, that you're recruiting a guy that lives 100 miles from Penn State and has grown up in that in the Penn State environment. And in the end, he just – I don't want to say he succumbed to the pressure, but he, 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 he felt the tug, the pull to stay near home. And that, that happens with, with Notre Dame being in, you know, northern Indiana. That, now, I, I do want to mention this, that – you know, Kyron Williams is still there. Chris Tyree is the star of the future. Uh, Flemister, we don't know how long he will be there, grad transfer perhaps. But, I mean, Audric Estime is a guy that everybody likes. Logan Diggs has home run hitting yeah. ability. Price, Jadarian Price is in the class. He, I think we all kind of felt like he was 1A or, right. or, or 2 in the class two, because two. You, would, you would get one of the big three. But it's not like... 
they're bereft of talent at, at running back now or or moving forward. No, but I think um, I think that running back's one of their most talented positions right now, but you could probably not in terms of Singleton coming in and making an impact in 22-23, you could throw out Kyron Williams and Sebo Flemister right now. They're not right. They're not involved in that. Yeah, and well, they, the question is and whether, maybe Chris Tyree is not involved in that either. Well, maybe you know, not. That, yeah. Not, yeah. No, that I mean it's true. I'm not <clears throat> I'm not trying to say that losing Singleton isn't right. isn't a blow. It is. You know, the question will be whether Kyron Williams is here in 2021 or 2021 and 22. Yeah. He certainly won't be around for, for any he'll have eligibility. But the, the, aren't you, isn't it difficult to deal with writing wise, talking about uh, eligibility with this is. pandemic? It just. I've started to ignore the, not ignore, but not reference. Um, and we have to do this because they're kind of down the Irish. The extra year, unless they're like in the in the Kurt Heinet, like Tariq Bracey, I reference the extra year because I think yeah. it could come in handy. Yes. But I don't put anybody for year six. Like Justin Adamiola, I didn't include him in, in a depth chart impact. And someone immediately said, Adamiola can be here through 2000, whatever. Like he's not staying six years. I mean, if he has a good year, he might stay, he should stay five. Justin, I mean. Um, but He's not staying six years. Those guys, if you're no. any good at all and you're not injured, you're not staying six years. Well, I mean, no. you're, you, you want to get on with your life. I mean, come on. You it's know, the same that, thing as fifth year seniors. Like, there's a there's kind of a narrow window of like who's a good fifth year senior. You have to be good enough that the coaches want you back, but not good enough that the NFL wants you to leave. Right. Um, it's so. I mean, it's same. It's the same is true with all. I guess the last thing on Singleton is like talking to people at Notre Dame. I asked them like, I asked somebody like, what name a back that Singleton reminds you of. And I was told the backs we have to defend every time we play Georgia. So like I agree. that you're just like, man, if you could add a Sony Michelle type back to this roster, that's, that's what you need at the highest level. What I love about Singleton. Uh, and I usually don't say this about one cut backs and that's basically what he is. He's got a little bit of wiggle, but it's mainly one cut back hit it with that big, long, beautiful, powerful stride. And I don't think that they've had enough of that. A guy that just hits it. Yeah. And you know, I'm with you. Yeah. You know, so I'm bemoaning the fact that we won't see that guy hitting <laughs> yeah. it with a Notre Dame uniform on. There's it. And uh, on a down note, we'll just stay on there. SR 54, 52. <laughs> How concerned are you with the struggles on the OL and wide receiver recruiting? Some, since some kids didn't get in to play high school football last year, would you hold a couple scholarships back to see if any surprises emerge? You know, again, getting back to recruiting a running back from reading Pennsylvania in the proximity to, to Penn state, you're recruiting offensive linemen from Wisconsin. And man, that's a difficult, (laughs) that's a, that's a difficult task. And we've seen how difficult it was the wide receiver situation. You know, I'm going to include, (laughs) We prepare for these verbal commitments so that when it happens, we yeah. we, we hit it with all these. Uh, I, I thought you guys wrote like yeah, right. Words. Hurry I mean, up and write just this. Very very fast, Pete. Just but there, really quick. there's a Nick. I have a Nicholas Anderson film review out there that you know. I feel like a lot of times, many of my film reviews are very complimentary. It wasn't overly complimentary of Nicholas Anderson, who has verbally committed to. Uh, the Oregon, but I'm, I'm veering off the topic because if they don't, they, they need to, they need Tobias Merriweather. They need yeah, they do. to they do. land Tobias Merriweather. In addition to CJ Williams, where they are very well positioned. If you get those two, then 
what have we all been crying about? Really, seriously. I know a lot of people love Bradshaw. I get it. I think he's a really good player. If you had, if you had Bradshaw and and Williams and Merriweather, that would be a home run with people on base. It's still possible. I yeah, receiver recruiting doesn't concern me yet, and the Nicholas Anderson commitment. Well, it was a surprise, um, right. right? But it wasn't like it wasn't like Nicholas Singleton um, in terms of the impact that Notre Dame lost out there, and like. I've talked to CJ Williams. I just would be absolutely floored if they did not get him. Um, I know they feel really good about Tobias Merriweather too. And if you get that with Morian Walker, great. Um, I, you know, the Xavier Bradshaw, I understand. I sort of understand that more now after talking to CJ Williams and hearing about how Notre Dame really likes CJ Williams in the slot. So I feel like Bradshaw is slot only. Yeah. Um, Whereas if CJ Williams is that re- if that's really where you want to play them, then like you've signed two slot receivers and and one is clearly inferior to the to yeah. the other. Well, Williams and Merriweather make Amorian Walker so much better in terms of three receivers you're bringing in the class because then you're like, well, we have a guy that we like that is up and coming in Amorian Walker to complement the higher end. It's kind of like yep. why. Joe Alt was a great offensive tackle recruit to bring in with Rocco Spindler and Blake Fisher. If Rocco Spindler and Blake Fisher didn't join that year and you had said, well, we got Joe Alt and we got Caleb Johnson and we got Pat Coogan. You're like, well, that's not that Joe Alt better work out. Whereas Joe Alt's like, Ooh, if Joe Alt works out, this is one of the best classes (laughs) since Nelson bars and Mustafer. That's kind of how you look at it. Question from Denver Maximus with back-to-back cornerback commitments. Is it me or does it seem like a very crowded cornerback room? Most players on the roster have multiple years of eligibility remaining. What is your take on the recent commitments in the DB room? Uh, This is where the recruiting philosophy of take both comes into play. And the best one plays and probably the lesser two or three transfer. And I think that is totally healthy. So I'm all for it. I finally had to say to the depth chart impact when I was listing eight nine corners for this year and more possible coming in. Look at all these guys. This is the last time we're going to see them on paper together because they will not all be there. together. Well, that's just it. That, see, that's it. I just yeah. don't think that the normal thinking as far as numbers and roster management apply anymore no, because it now doesn't. it's, now it's why that you have the one-time transfer. You can leave I, the, the, the flow of the rosters. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it is going to be very, very different. And I don't think, that most coaching staffs are going to worry a whole lot about, hey, too many of this, too many of that. I think they. I think two things are crucial for um, the recent signings. I think both Bellamy and Moore could be a safety. I like them both at safety just as much as have them working at corners. Kind of, so maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe you don't have that many corners. But number two, uh, number two, you're losing some corners that you already have on the team. Clearly, they're going to – they've been recruited over or they will be better than the people you just recruited, and someone's going to leave. Because every year since 2009 – uh, so the Kelly era, they have lost a defensive back to transfer. I didn't. I, it's I, always going to happen. Well, yeah, there's there's just no doubt, and it, the 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 rosters are going to be so fluid now that I you know I don't. I mean I don't know. You can you can put another handful of sets of eyes on roster management, but it's just so fluid, and you don't yeah. you don't know what the next player is going to decide. I love Bellamy at safety. I, yeah, I, I, like them, I like them both at safety. And I, actually. frankly, I didn't think I didn't like Devin Moore as a prospect. 
until I saw him play corner. I didn't like the way he played safety. I thought he was, I didn't think he was very aggressive. And I thought it was a completely different football player when they moved him to cornerback where he was much more engaged and, uh, you know, just much more active and aggressive. Not only 34-34, what is the status of Kevin Austin, Paul Moala, and Brendan Clark? Well, Austin was at the end of spring was on the field. So that, you know, I'm not Pete, maybe I, I'm not aware of any setbacks. So that should be progressing just fine. Uh, Moala was supposed to practice in the spring, but didn't. And then uh, with, with regard to Brendan Clark, I don't think that he's full tilt yet. I'm not sure when he will be. Um, You guys have any insight on those three guys and Kyle, Kyle Hamilton is, Oh, yeah. running around and doing fine so yeah yeah i mean that's austin i think you know tim and i we both talked to reese last week like you know the 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 expectation is that austin will be ready to go and nothing has changed um so they're just they're very hopeful that he will be full go at some point this summer but coming back what have they been here like three weeks now probably ramping up into shape um but that's that's the one like the Moala and Clark, like those are depth players this year. Austin is the guy that they need to be hundred percent. All right. Say we're at the first practice and Kevin Austin is, uh, not great. He's just fine. He's just a guy out there. What are your first thoughts? He's rounding back into shape or, uh, man, it's just been a long time and he's not. Are his reps the same as everybody else? Uh, yes. Cause if his reps aren't the same as everybody else, then you're concerned. Of course. Yeah. That, then I would have no problem if Austin just looks a- average in his first practice in a year and a half right, or right. well, not a year and a half because he played a little bit last season, but that would, that would not concern me at all. No, me either. Because I think he was average when he came back last season. And I think it takes a while to get into it for, I mean, I, he's not Michael Floyd coming back for his senior year after three, after two, after a tremendous freshman and sophomore year. I yeah. mean, it's just, I think he needs a strong August with Jack Cohn to have a good, to have a great October. I don't think he's going to have a great September. I know I'm going, I know this is like speculation, but why would he have a, why would he be great with a new quarterback when he's never been out there with him? And he's, and it's not, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, <laughs> Purdue and Toledo. Yeah. I don't I mean, those would be reasons. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a sign too. He should, he should be running by Purdue and Toledo, right? If he's going to be running yeah. by anybody. Really, it's just like, are you re- like, Wisconsin right right that's you know the rest of it can be a warm-up to me Donald uh, I'm sorry Andy Sushi how might oh wait we skipped one up here, I skipped Tim. one yep yeah uh Dan Bryan 21 what point total per game in 2021 would make you think Notre Dame is heading in the right direction is it a must that they average 40 points a game to realistically compete for a playoff uh to me the what Notre Dame's offense heading in the right direction or not is did Tyler Buckner play and did he look good? Great. That's, that's it. That's, that is the entire answer to this question for me, not whether they averaged 35 points or 42 points. Um, I'm going to answer the second question first. It is a must that they average 40 points a game. If they're going to beat Ohio state and Alabama in playoff games, they can average 33 points a game and make the playoffs like they always do when they make the yeah, playoffs they have. and everything like that. Yeah. But if you want to beat, if you want to show up and say, oh, they're going to go beat Ohio state and Alabama, one indicator is they're out there scoring 40 points a game. Now, if you play, you figure they have five or four really hard games and then five 
six solid power five teams you face that can bring your average down. I mean, it's just like Notre Dame's 2019 team wasn't their best offense of the Brian Kelly era, but they played New Mexico and Bowling Green. So your average goes right. up. If you want to look at it that way, last year they had no chance. They were playing no group of five teams. So I don't know. What do they, what do they go score out there in wins versus USC, North Carolina and Wisconsin? If they're scoring 35, you can, you can start thinking bigger than qualifying. I mean, they haven't, since they started keeping stats nationally, Nordheim's never averaged 40 points a game since 1946. I mean, right. They were about to I, the, until Miami ruined it in 2017. They're yeah. destroying the greatest Monday musing of all time. Right. But, but is, is this the team that, I mean, is this the team with question marks at wide receiver and a new quarterback and, and new offensive lineman? This I is say not even, I say not even close. A game. I say not even close. Not even yeah. Close. I, it's I, like I, this. The whole playoff to me is like, this isn't the year for that. Um, this is a year to be a good team and win 10 games and go to the New Year's Six. But like the playoff parts of it are, I think that's kind of just a bridge too far for me right now. Question from ND Sushi How might NIL pressure Notre Dame to put Notre Dame's or to put players' names on the back of the jerseys? Do you think BK would allow it if it helped recruiting? I mean, the answer to the second part is yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would allow it. What, whatever X is. We would strongly follows, encourage it. Would it help recruiting? The answer is yes to X. Um, I don't I don't think that that is going to help a whole lot, like names on the jerseys. Um, Notre Dame hasn't done that, and the players are pretty marketable as is. You know, the the ultimate brand for these players that they stand on is going to help them is – the N and the D, not what their last name is. Yeah, and social media brings it to them. It's not it's yeah. not television recognition of seeing KJ Wallace's name flash across your screen. Um I also should throw in I don't have a problem if they put the names back on the jersey. I don't care. Like I, mean, I grew I up I, I grew up in Lou Holtz taking them off and I think it's cool and they put a monoc on for bowl games. It's fine. I don't think Whatever. it's a I mean I know Notre Dame hasn't done it. When I was growing up it was oh look they put names on the back of their jerseys for bowl games. That was really cool. I don't know that this is something that they care that much about. I, I don't, I don't know so that either. Brian Kelly, I don't know that Brian Kelly cares one way or another. They've never done it. And they, that's just how they continue to do it. But I mean, they've done it. Just, they've done it. They just haven't done it in so no, long. I mean, like, yeah. 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 I just don't think it'd be the end of the world to do it. It's not like they're changing the color of the helmet where they've never done it. This is, it's, you know, it's, not, I just don't, it's, it's like the lowest thing on my list of recent traditions that you can't change that you and can't I think put a name a, on the jersey. Right. I mean, and I think it's low on Notre Dame's list of hey, if they put have. names on the jerseys, we'll be able to follow practice. Because like, they roll up their numbers, we can't see them. But if oh, I put a name man. on the back, I will know exactly yeah. who those people are. Yeah. Exactly. Question from <laughs> from Irish 2025. I've been hearing Jalen Sneed to Oregon. Any truth to this? I will not entertain such drivel. Then I'll be mad. You'll you'll see you'll see there'll be an angry podcaster coming up. Uh, I haven't heard that. No, this is this is all news to me. Irish twenty twenty five. We should yeah, have done this at the top where we were ripping. Well, out and look, let's not. I mean, I don't want to say it can't happen, no. <laughs> but we do not expect that to happen. Uh, and that would be a blow. That but, would be you know, a I mean, that would be that would be Marcus Freeman losing a a key matchup and he doesn't lose too many. He's also the best. I think Tim, you said it 
off air. He's the best player in the class. He would right? he would be number one in my class if Jalen Smith commits to Notre Dame. Yeah, I don't think that's true though. But anything's possible in recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> Jim underscore Booney CRS. What is your take on seemingly locked up commitments slipping through the cracks at the eleventh hour? That being said, how should we interpret crystal balls on Merriweather and Williams? Well, Shroth, yeah, Shroth, you know, again, a Wisconsin thing. The Singleton thing is 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 a significant loss, and yeah. I don't think that the Anderson going to Oregon is a significant loss. No, I don't think so either. What I would it, agree with all of yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, we've, we, we talk about this. Now, the crystal balls on Merriweather and Williams um, – I have more faith in the Williams one than the Merriweather one. I think that's fair. I would agree with that too. Um, So I would just say that right now it means Notre Dame leads for those guys. I think their lead with CJ Williams is substantial. Their lead with Merriweather is not. Uh, And look, the other teams recruit too. The other teams are investing millions of dollars in recruiting. So you know, Wisconsin is all over Shroud and Penn State is Singleton. I mean, think about if Notre Dame was like Jalen Smith from Fort Wayne. That's what Singleton is to Penn State and Shroud is to Wisconsin in some ways. I'm not saying they're quite players of that stature, but, you know, if Notre Dame was losing a player from Penn High School or Indianapolis or Fort Wayne, then I think you would be in panic mode. So, I mean, I, I give Wisconsin and uh, Penn State credit there probably more than I would Notre Dame being out recruited, but at the same time, it's like, it's your job to land these guys. And yeah. I mean, we, we've seen it before with sort of Chip Long and Chris Tyree, they had them, then they were going to lose them. And then they got them back at the end, not dissimilar to Marcus Freeman. They had them and they were losing them to LSU and they got them back at the end. Like it's, this is, this is what recruiting is. Other schools lose recruits. Yeah. And they signed them too. Um, so it's <laughs> pretty tricky. We Notre, Dame has a, Notre Dame has a very enjoyable billboard campaign about other schools losing recruits, I might add. What's that? Their bill, well, they stick billboards in, in Columbus, oh. Ohio, and oh, places oh, in Michigan oh, that, and say, yeah, I'm yeah, from yeah. Michigan and I'm going and to Notre their, Dame. That, right, that is the point. <laughs> yes, it's taking them out. <laughs> that is the actual point of that. Can you imagine how no, it's great. Dame, <laughs> can you imagine how fans of that local team react when they see that? I think it's incredible. I'm so proud of them. <laughs> it's really one of the best things of all time. I, it's I can't re- it's really great, but the hate for Notre Dame continues. Oh <laughs> they should hang one of the banners, we're Notre Dame and you're not at the bottom of it too. Like a Notre Dame fan should go there and just have a banner and go to every city and put it on there. Like the old Sports <laughs> Illustrated thing. <laughs> final our, from, <laughs> go ahead, Tim. Our final question uh, for uh, this week's Irish Illustrated Insider comes from Dip98. What are your latest guesses as to the five starting offensive line spots for the opener? I think we might have a, we might have a consensus on this. I think we do. Would be Fisher, Patterson, Carell, Madden, and Lug, left or right. I totally agree. I'm not sure how that would I'm not sure how that would change other than maybe Madden at left guard, but I, I don't I, yeah, I, you know, I mean, that, that's a possibility. Sure. I mean, yeah, that's a possibility. And again, Patterson, we still don't know for sure exactly where they'll put him. I mean, could they put him at left tackle and put Fisher at guard? I would imagine that's a possibility. There's no way that now that Lug is 
the size of it, the weight that he's lost, he's definitely playing right tackle. They don't often put the bigger. That's not true. Forget it. I was going to say the mobile guy at left guard is usually there, but <laughs> Quentin Nelson was a pretty big left guard. So, but Quentin Nelson was also the most mobile left guard you're going to find. So they, they they do like they do kind of cherish mobility at that left guard position too. But just because Nelson and was a roaming bear doesn't mean he wasn't size. Yeah. You know, they like they like the larger physiques, which in some ways I don't know. I mean, Jared Patterson is not the biggest guy, but he's the best lineman at all five positions. So yeah, he's got to he, start somewhere. Kevin Sinclair had a recent photo of Patterson. Uh, he looked huge, Tim. He looked like a bigger yeah. guy in those workouts. Oh, actually. That, that, that was for the, um, that was for the mission barbecue. He looked, oh. <laughs> he looked larger than, well, he might've been next to, was, wasn't he next to Madden? Oh, maybe. Yeah. And that actually, actually, if I, I, I was questioning whether Madden was a legit six, three, just cause he's so wide and he is a dump truck. But I think he is. I think he is that big. So that's even better. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, that'll be one of the first guys, obviously, that we check out when we get an opportunity. And it won't be in Culver. I'm, I misinterpreted. Pete, you said, I think last time you said Culver is out. But you meant, I thought you meant the media is not allowed to go. No, I meant nobody's going Nobody's there. going to Culver. So I made a mistake. And Jack, Jack's edited that out. So if you read that, I was wrong. And. That won't be the last time, I guarantee you that. So <laughs> we should always announce it on a podcast, though, like you just did, because no one would have seen that yet. So there's yeah. <laughs> your error. I, make, I, make, <laughs> I don't think anybody would have seen that error. I mean, yeah, I know, but I make so many mistakes. I might as well just go and admit the damn thing and just move on. Yeah, own them, own them, and move on. All right, that's that's it for today's Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Talk Nordic football as Nordic gears up during summer condition. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.